This is Emily. And this is Sarah. And this is Sisters Take a Side on the DC Mansion Murders. Hi. Hello. So good to see you, except I can't even see you. <laughs> I was going to say, you look so lovely today. I had a whole <laughs> little bit I was going to do, and now it just seems silly because I Sorry. can't turn my camera on or the laptop might explode. No. Yeah, so if Sarah sounds like she's coming at you from the bottom of a submarine, it's because we're having some technical difficulties this afternoon, and I will spend hours in post-production trying to I'm, clean it up. I'm great. so sorry. Actually, it's really good because um, John, our brother, actually this week offered to help us with some production of the show, and you know what, John? <laughs> we might be coming at you hot with this one. Here's your audition, John. Yeah, seriously. Oh my gosh. Um, well, welcome back, friend. I missed you. I'm so glad we're back with a new case this week. Um, but first, you want to tell the people what we were doing last night? Um, yes. So, you guys, if in case you're just not sick of it enough, we went to TCO last night. Yes, TCO we did. did a live show in DC at Capital Turnaround. Um, super cool venue, no? Um, super cool. I kept asking Sarah to please get married there and then reminding her that it would also be very inconvenient for me if she got married in DC. So you guys, she said that like both of those things four different times. Yeah. So, but you know, when, when that second can of bubbly rosé hits you, that's right. (laughs) I know girl. I know. I totally get it. Yeah. Um, amazing show. We had such a good time. I like I have not had that much fun in ages. Jillian and Patrick were just as amazing live as I thought they would be. So, yes. um, yeah, yeah, that it was, was just – It was so fun. Thank you, Sarah, for getting us tickets. That was amazing. I still owe you a Venmo for that Uber ride home. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to get you, girl. Don't worry. No uh, worries. <laughs> no worries. Yes. It was, it was so much fun. It was so good to just be out and like with other true crime podcast people – um yeah it was amazing yeah. so if you guys have a chance to see them live in your city highly recommend Do it yeah also it can i i have to say so someone asked at ooh, someone asked patrick last <laughs> night like if he could have one true co- crime case be solved what would it be <gasps> guys he said sneha phillips i'm not kidding i'm not oh, kidding that was a true story yeah that was so I, cool like fell out of my chair. I wanted so badly to be like, oh, well, you should listen to this great podcast episode. <laughs> but I know. I was like I, waiting for one of us to say that, but we didn't. I'm glad we didn't. We don't need to be those people. So no us. Anyways, it was so fun. Um, thanks for thanks for the night out. And now we're back. We're back to business. We are back. So I guess before we start, Em, if people wanted to check out our amazing adventure that was last night where could they do that well you could follow us on instagram at sisters take a side underscore podcast or you can shoot us an email at sisters.take.a.side at gmail.com and sarah promises to respond to you in four to seven weeks (laughs) four to seven years (laughs) at this point yeah guys i have to say you guys we we have like you all have been blowing our email up like in the best way and we love it so I much. Can't keep up. 
Yeah. And so we just want to say like, if you've emailed us and we haven't responded, we're so sorry. We are trying to keep it the best we can <laughs> and we love you guys and keep emailing us. Um, and let me know if I should fire Sarah over this. You absolutely should. If this was any other job, I would be fired immediately. Well, and okay. So let's weekly check in Sarah. How's, how's that bank account process going for our podcast? Um, really, really spectacularly actually. Oh, okay, great. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> Okay. Well, you maybe should have gotten it ready for today because, girl, this episode is amazing, hopefully. I'm <laughs> so this, excited. This story is amazing. I'm so excited to tell it with you, and I'm excited for you guys to hear it. So are you ready to jump in? Yes, please. Okay. So at the top, trigger warning for uh, uh, trigger warning for death of a child. Um, if that is a sensitive subject for you, uh, please listen with care. Um, all right. Should we get into it? It looks like this may be a two-parter, Em. Oh, I should probably say that, huh? That would be good. Okay. Um, yeah, guys, this is a (laughs) two-parter because I'm once again, just like so immersed in this case. I couldn't, I couldn't fit this all into like 45 minutes to an hour. Um, so it's going to be a two-parter. Mike, I already hear you yelling at me. sorry you're gonna be okay all right so it's gonna be a two-parter we're gonna release the episodes um like back to back so you'll be hearing me do a case two weeks in a row lucky you um yeah okay cool i think i think that's it think all right let's do this as as my as one of my favorite podcasts true crime garage says let's get down to the business (laughs) okay so May 14th, 2015, at 1.30 p.m., a man walking through the ritzy Woodland Park neighborhood of Washington, D.C., noticed something unsettling. Thick black smoke was pouring out of an upstairs window of a $4.5 million home. Oof. The man called 911, and firefighters arrived on the scene almost immediately. They entered the home, trying to identify the source of the fire. They entered one of the bedrooms and through the smoke noticed a chair in the middle of the room. One firefighter went to move the chair, but found it unusually heavy. His hand brushed up against something, a body tied to the chair. He stumbled backwards, feet catching on something, another body, and then a third. Jeez. Okay. No, 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 no. no. Do not interrupt my monologue here. Excuse me. Excuse me. My bad. Sorry. That's just very heavy for the first opening lines. Girl, can I tell you, I was, like, writing the script for this, and I was, like, trying to find, like, little parts where I could, like, impart some humor or, like, whatever, right? And mm-hmm. I, there's nothing. I have, I have, I have nothing. There's going to be nothing great. funny in this. Good. So, okay. Great. Here we go. Um, so firefighters rushed to bring the three victims out of the smoke and immediately took one of the victims to the hospital. She still had a heartbeat. There was still a chance. After several hours, the fire was finally extinguished, and the lone survivor of the fire had died in the hospital. The police could begin processing what was clearly a crime scene. They quickly identified the starting point of a fire, a bedroom next to the room where the three adults were found. This room was truly burnt to the ground. The floor had collapsed. The four-poster bed in the middle of the room was burnt down to practically nothing. But investigators noticed something odd in the middle of the burnt-down bed. A small body. A child. By the evening of May 14th, four people had been declared dead at the scene of this fire, a fire that had clearly been set intentionally. 
All four people suffered traumatic injuries. They had been stabbed, strangled, and tortured. This wasn't a tragic accident or a house fire gone wrong. This was murder. Oof. Oof. Dang, girl. So, guys, this case sucks. So, Gosh. It's just That kind of sets the scene of, like, where we're at, right? So, what I want to do, though, as we kind of jump into this, I want to start by talking about the victims here. So bear with me. I know it's like a little out of order. We usually get to that part at the end, but like, I just really want to start by giving you all a sense of like this family and, and what was going on here. So the, the victims of this fire were the Savopolis family and their housekeeper. So Sava (laughs) Sava Savopolis, I've actually practiced this and I listened to how it was pronounced on other shows. Sava Savopolis was 46 years old and the CEO of American Ironworks, which was like basically the family business. Like his father founded it and like he took it over, right? So mm. he, he grew up in Springfield, Virginia, and he married his high school sweetheart, Amy. I love this. Oh, I love that. Love this. Um, both Sava and Amy went on to graduate from the University of Maryland, and they got married in 1994. Um, okay. Yeah. Love this journey for these two. Um, if you like Google a picture of them and like, I say that with a big caveat because there's unfortunately like pretty gruesome crime scene photos online, which Mm -hmm. I stumbled upon quite accidentally. And like, honestly, like they give me chills. So I'm not suggesting you Google them, but if you were to, you would see like the, these two were so cute, right? Like they're both very attractive, young, like adorable, right? Mm-hmm. So this company that Sava owns, American Ironworks, um, is going to become important later in our story. So I just want to touch on that a little bit. It was like wildly successful, right? So our guy Sava was like bringing in the money, honey. Like mm-hmm. he was making good money. Um, I thought this was interesting. American Ironworks was actually one of the main contractors responsible for rebuilding the Pentagon after 9-11. Wow. Like, can you even can you even imagine what it took to get that contract? No, that's insane. That's insane. Yeah. So, so in 2001, the couple purchased this gorgeous mansion in Woodley Park, DC. Um, their neighbor was like literally the Australian ambassador. Like Good quite God. literally. Yeah. Sarah, you've been to Woodley Park, right? Like you describe it for someone who maybe hasn't yeah, been there before. I actually think so. Um it's really pretty. I think it's right over by the cathedral in DC, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Um, yep, yep, yep. The homes are absolutely beautiful. And like they're old. Gorgeous. Like yeah. you can tell like old money lives in Woodley Park. Unless you're our guy Sava and you're just making that bank with your company yeah. American Ironworks. But yes. But like if this is like a family business, like this has been this has been true. Yes. You know, money that's been around for a while. Um, but Good the point. homes, like and they're beautiful. They're these beautiful, and it's such a weird thing because DC is such like a, I mean, it's a city, like a yes. metropolitan area. You wouldn't expect to see like these beautiful homes on, you know, a fair amount of land, like in a city like this. Um, right. But like, I'm thinking very like almost gothic in style, yes. like the black iron fences and the yard they're kind of up like off the sidewalk like yes it's almost like I don't want to call it a hill but you know what I'm saying it's like yeah there's like the yard and then like a slight retaining wall and then the sidewalk yeah Um, I mean so I mean like the homes in this neighborhood ooze money right I mean we'll just like 
if you were someone who was looking to rob someone or hold them for ransom, this is the, I mean, I hate it, but like, this is the neighborhood you would go to in DC. Like this, this is where you would go. So I want to say I walked past this house once before before, the fire. Oh yeah, it's possible. I mean, it is, it's a beautiful neighborhood. I mean, I'm pretty sure I have. It's really close to the vice president's residence. The, um, what is that called? The observant? Where is the vice president? Oh, girl, I have no idea. Okay. (laughs) I'm I'm lucky I know the White House. Oh, okay. I'm just being honest. Okay. Oh, my God. Now I have to tell the story. Here's little funny bits we'll put in there. Um, Tom and I took the kids to the zoo in D.C. like two weekends ago, and we were (laughs) – literally driving down pennsylvania avenue which i if if you're like the one person in the world who doesn't know pennsylvania avenue is the street the white house is on and um <laughs> tom is doing directions and he's like oh look this is great we're back in arlington which is like a suburb outside of dc <laughs> i was like sir the president lives here do you see his house it's right there we're not Tom-a-thy. in Arlington. <laughs> anyways he knew that he was just testing you Look, I'm getting so – I'm, like, trying to talk about anything except this terrible case. I know. <laughs> like, we're doing that thing that people do where you, like, avoid the horrible by just, like, throwing your spouse through the bus. <laughs> Hi, Tom. <laughs> Hi, Tom. Um. Okay. So okay. by by all accounts, Sava and Amy were just, like, so loved, right? Like, they were friendly and welcoming, and Sava especially was described as, like, an amazing boss who was, like, really fair and respectful to his employees – um, Amy was a stay-at-home mom to the couple's three children. Um, they had two older daughters who were away at boarding school at the time this happened. Oh. Um, and I'm choosing not to name them on our show because they um, have really wanted to remain private in this, which, I mean, God. Understandably. I so you can find their names, if you, but like, I just don't, that just doesn't sit well with me. So for now, they're just, all we need to know is that they have two older daughters who were away at boarding school at this time. Um, and then they have their son, Philip. Um, yes. Uh, so she was a stay at home mom with Philip. Yes. Amy was. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Wow. You throwing shade at our friend Amy here? No, 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 no. I just wanted to make sure like I'm following. Yeah. Like their daughters were high school aged, but they went to school. Like, like I guess at a boarding school. So tell me you're rich without telling me you're rich. Okay. I know. Oh my God, Sarah, these people were so rich. So, <laughs> which brings me to my next point. Sava and Amy liked doing just like fancy people shit. Okay. So like <laughs> Sava had a collection of sports cars. Um, totally normal. He, he totally normal. He also had a collection of swords. Like just totally normal. Sh- sure. Um, Amy hosted a lot of fundraisers for like local nonprofits. Um, they both also really had a taste for very expensive art, which was hung up all over their home. And our guy Sava was like, was like a business dude. Like he was just like involved in a lot of different business stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that's kind of like pertinent to this case is at the time that this happened, he was opening a dojo studio. So, you know, he's just out there. A dojo studio? Yeah. It's like (laughs) where you do karate or judo or taekwondo or one of those disciplines. Got it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And so now I want to touch on Vera Figueroa, who is um, the family's housekeeper, also a victim in this case. Um, Vera had been working for the family for about five years and often worked alongside the couple's primary housekeeper, Nellie, who had been with the family for 20 years. So one thing I want to note here, because it's important later, 
Vera did not speak English fluently, so she often relied on Nellie to help translate between her and the family. Okay, so just just make note of that. So those are our four victims. We have Sava and Amy Savopoulos, Philip Savopoulos, who's 10, and uh, Vera Figueroa, who's the family's housekeeper. Mm, okay. So okay. just a quick clarification. Vera was not like was it out of the ordinary if she's not the primary housekeeper yes. for her to be okay yes normally normally her and nelly would be working together at the home because nelly nelly translated for vera right Got um it. but that day nelly was working at the dojo with sava <laughs> so vera was at the home by herself which yes was unusual got it okay Okay, but don't I I want to say right now don't Nelly had nothing to do with this, so that's not suspicious no, no, no. in any way. I Nelly, oh my god. Okay, here I go again. I listened to and I'm going to link all the podcasts I listened to in the show notes, but the um the American Nightmare series did like a 10-part episode oh, in this case. Did yes, you, li- you, I yes, to you listen to that? To that. Yeah. And they had the most amazing interviews with Nelly and oh. like and it's like how traumatizing, right? Like Oh my God. Any yeah. other day, it would have been her at that house. Right. And it wasn't her, but it was her best friend and this yeah. family that she loved and took care of for 20 years. Mm. Right. It's just, it's yeah. heartbreaking. I just, so I just want to say, I, it is weird that Vera was there at the house, but this is not Nellie's fault, guys. No, <laughs> no, no. I didn't ask to, to, like, I didn't, I wasn't trying to insinuate that it was. Um, I just wanted to make sure, like, I understood, like, the dynamic. Yeah. So now I'm going to take us through the timeline of the case here. And this case is like, can be a little dense. So just try to like, stay with me here. But what is so interesting and why we have to walk through this timeline is the story comes together through the phone records of the family. Okay. So it's unusual in that way. So just bear with me. I, I know it's going to be like a little dense and ask me to repeat myself if I'm not being clear, but let's dive into it. So okay, this crime really started 22 hours before that fire was lit. So mm. we have to rewind, rewind <laughs> back to uh, Wednesday, May 13th. So okay. in the morning, our guy Sava goes to check his on his dojo okay and opening days is the dojo away, the main character of this story the, the dojo of it all sarah the <laughs> dojo of it all. so he goes to he goes to check on a side business nelly's there helping him it's a couple of weeks until opening day so it's like all hands on deck right mm-hmm. um around 9 a.m that morning amy takes philip to a doctor's appointment and her range rover then leaves the parking lot around 11 a.m so they're at the doctor's for about Ooh. two hours Okay. Um, at this point, for a reason that we're not really sure, Amy doesn't take Philip back to school. He he goes back home. Um, so, you know, I, I I say that just to point out the fact that it was also unusual that Philip was home. Mm. Right. Normally he would have been at school. So at 3 p.m. that day, the director of reservations at a local doggy daycare facility called the Savopolis house phone to confirm an upcoming appointment for the family's two dogs. But this call didn't go through correctly because the line had been disconnected. Right. Hmm. And so the, the person's like, Oh, well that's a little weird. Okay. They they can't even leave a voicemail. Like the call won't even go through to the house phone. Um, 
At 3.20 p.m., a friend spots Amy walking through their neighborhood, believed to be on her way home from getting a Starbucks coffee down the street. Um, She's seen carrying her purse and a um, Starbucks cup at this time. Um, At 4.20, the doggy daycare place calls Amy's cell phone and leaves a voicemail, right? So again, they tried the landline, couldn't get through. So, you know, an hour and a half later, they're calling her cell phone. She doesn't answer and leave a voicemail. Again, they're just trying to confirm this appointment. Mm -hmm. Um, So Amy calls back twice, once immediately, but... It was almost like this was a butt dial. No one made any sound on the line and disconnected shortly after, right? Mm -hmm. But about 10 minutes after that, Amy calls back again and confirmed that she would be keeping the appointment for the dogs. Um, The employee said Amy sounded tired and and just not like her usual self during this call. Um, You know, the employee talked about how, you know, bubbly and vivacious Amy was and she would always want to like chit chat and like all of that. But she was like very curt and to the point on this phone call, which the employee like noted as being unusual. Um, Hmm. At 5.30 PM, Amy calls Sava on his cell phone from her cell phone, asking him to come home and help her take care of Philip, who she says is ill. Now we know this because Sava tells Nelly this, right? He says, Oh, Amy just called me. She says, Philip's sick. I got to go. Can you please, you know, do dojo stuff with your dojo friends here for the rest of the day. Okay. (laughs) So Sava packs up and heads home at this time. Now here's where things just get a little dicey at some point that evening. And, and it's, it's kind of undetermined. I've heard it different times reported. So we'll just make note that it's sometime after 5 30 PM. Okay. Sava makes a call using his cell phone to the home security company that, you know, monitors their home. Um, The family, like most rich people, have an outdoor security system as well as interior security features like motion detectors and glass break sensors. Well, that was sentence starting to say. Um, The system, notably, the system doesn't do live recordings. It basically, it just sends the information to a server that was located on the third floor of the home, Um, right? So it's not like they're monitoring 24-7. It's just the recording, like, basically backs up and is stored until someone goes in and deletes it, right? What's the point of that? Well, but the – well, I don't know. (laughs) Well, I mean, This is clearly not a Simply Safe ad because I can't imagine, like – Get you some Simply Safe, girl. Um, no. Simply safe, call us. So, please call us. Um, <laughs> no, I think, I mean, I don't know. Did they have live monitoring in 2015? I mean, I don't know, but like, it's not like it was 1915. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I do think it's like I don't know. a little unusual, especially <laughs> right? given like what high net worth we're talking about here. Like obviously money wasn't a problem for these people. Right. But anyways, so In this phone call to the home security company, Sava asks several questions about how the footage is stored on this server and if it's stored anywhere else. Um, Our poor guy, Eric, is the one that answers this phone call. And I just like, (laughs) Eric, girl, I'm holding space in my heart for you because basically Sava's like, hey, um, I'm one of like your best customers. I'm a big, fancy, rich dude. I have all these questions about a security system. And Eric's like, girl, why do you care? Like, I 
yeah, all right. Like, like yeah. according to Eric, Sava is very insistent. Like, are you sure this footage isn't stored anywhere else? Are you sure it's not, you know, whatever, put on the iCloud and floating around somewhere, right? And Eric basically spends 20 minutes like reassuring Sava, like, no, dude, like chill out. All it does is get stored to the server in your house. Right. Okay. okay. Oof. Okay. I know. And it's like, since we, right. I know we all know what happens here. And I mean, we all know why he's making this call, right? It's just like, God, I don't like this. Okay. At 8 PM, Sava calls his coworker, Debbie, who girl, I also hold space in my heart for you, Debs, and asks her to get him $40,000 in cash for an equipment auction that he wants to go to. So this is okay so this is not an unusual request request from Saba right he's a businessman he likes going to these equipment auctions to get like equipment for the business on the cheap what is unusual though and kind of raises red flags for Debbie is that he asks for this in cash or normally he would get a cashier's check right because who the fuck is walking around with 40 grand in cash in their pocket right yeah but my other question would be like this would I don't know. I guess if you're saying like it's not it's not unusual for him to do this, but like so he's just calling and being like, "Hey, I'm the CEO of this company and I'd like to withdraw $40,000 in cash from my company." Mhm. Yeah. To use at an electronic auction like or an equipment or an auction equipment. like Well, but but for their business, right? I mean, it's American Ironworks. Like, I mean, it's it's reasonable oh. that he would be out buying like heavy equipment for the company. Yeah. You don't have like a heavy equipment purchaser <laughs> director or something. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, doesn't that seem yeah. weird? <laughs> well, and I think like note the time too, eight o'clock PM. So Debbie's getting a call from her boss at 8 PM asking for this. And, and, and this is what I find just like chilling and just sat like, according to Debbie, he sounds perfectly normal. He is happy. He is lighthearted he he's insistent right like he says i need this money like to my, today or tomorrow like he is very insistent but you know she has no reason to think that something weird is going on here right yeah so our girl debbie is like sava i got you um and she sends over an electronic check for sava to sign and they arrange for the cfo of the company ted to go to the bank and withdraw the money the next morning Okay, because like, like Debbie's like, okay, sure, but like, it's eight p.m. No bank is just gonna like, you you can't go to the ATM and be like forty thousand dollars, please. Well, and the banks are closed. Yeah, right. So they all agree. Ted, the CFO, is going to go to the bank tomorrow morning and get the forty thousand dollars cash. So around this same time, Sava calls and leaves a voicemail for his personal assistant and driver, Jordan, asking him to meet Ted at the bank to pick up the money and deliver it to Sava's house. And guys, we are going to get to Jordan in due time. (laughs) Poor Jordan. Oh, no. Um, I know. Poor Jordan. So this message, and you can find recordings of this message online. I heard on the podcast. It is Sarah. It is so eerie. He sounds, Sava sounds perfectly fine. He like makes a few jokes at Jordan's expense, is just like so casual. I mean, just you listen to it and you're like, oh my God, it just. Yeah. So Mm. Jordan, hears this voicemail and, you know, texts Sava back and says like, no problem. You know, that, that plan sounds good. I'll get you, you know, we'll get the money Mm -hmm. to you tomorrow. Okay. At 9 PM, Amy orders Domino's pizza. 
two pizzas and a soda and paid over the phone with a credit card. Um, she asked the delivery driver to leave the pizza on the front porch. Okay. Hmm. So around, around this same, so I guess the pizza comes, right? Mm-hmm. The delivery driver knocks, no one answers and they just leave. Right. So mm-hmm. no questions asked there. So, Again, around the same time, we have Sava leaving a voicemail for Nelly. Remember the head housekeeper. Sava tells at the dojo. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Sava tells her that Amy is in bed sick and that Vera is going to spend the night to help Amy with Philip. So, once Nelly hears this message, it immediately raises red flags for her because again, Vera doesn't speak English, and it would have been very difficult for her to communicate well enough to assist with taking care of Philip. Right? Like. That's more right. than just like Vera cleaning the house on her own. Like her and Amy can't communicate with one another. So Nellie is kind of immediately like, well, wait a minute, like, wait a minute. That's right. And at this point she says to, she offers to Sava, well, Hey, let me come. Let me be the one to stay with Philip. Right. Like, again, she's mm-hmm. the head housekeeper. She has been in Philip's life since literally the moment he was born. Right. And Sava's mm-hmm. like, no, no, no problem. No, don't do that. So mm-hmm. it's interesting because N- Nelly almost immediately begins trying to call Vera's phone, which goes straight to voicemail. Um, and so she gets back in contact with Sava. And, and I don't know if this is via text message or, or she called his cell. And he tells her, oh, Vera's phone is dead. And that's why she can't like call her husband or she can't call you directly. But like, don't worry about it. She's helping Amy. So it's so at- suspicious. I know. I know. So at 11 p.m., we have kind of like our last communication for the evening. Eric from the security company texts Sava to answer, I guess, a question that was lingering after their last phone call. Um, Sava wanted to know if the security cameras outside of the home were motion detected. They were. And this text goes unread. Mm. Okay. So there's no activity on the phones overnight. We can only speculate what was happening at that time Mm -hmm. um so that brings us to thursday well actually let me just let me stop there let me just everyone take a breather drink drink some liquid iv take a breath (laughs) sarah do you have any thoughts at this time yeah i'm very (laughs) like so i don't know but like hr sarah is like a little like hold on a second like this whole forty thousand dollar request you don't love uh, this i don't love it i think like there should be some more like placeholders in place. Yes. You know, like I get he's the CEO, but like, I don't know. That just, I don't love that. Don't love that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Don't love that. There you have that. Sister sake aside. Sarah doesn't love that. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Thursday, May 14th, um, at 7.11 a.m., Sava calls Jordan. Uh, remember, he's the personal assistant and driver and just like the most unlucky son of a bitch, this poor guy. Um, no. Sava calls Jordan to go over the details of the money drop-off, right? Basically just being like, hey, you know, just confirm me you're going to go to the bank with our guy, Ted. You're going to get the money and bring it here. And Jordan's like, yep, no problem, boss. Sure thing. So Sava, at this point, again calls the security company and talks to our guy, Eric. Once again, asking how the footage from their security system is stored. 
Eric at this point is like, girl, fuck what Jesus. <laughs> right. Because they literally had the same conversation the night before. Right. So this is now the third time in less than 12 hours. Sava has reached out to the company to talk to them about his security system. Yeah. yeah. At 8.30 a.m. and 8.46 a.m., Nellie tries to call Vera on her cell phone and gets no answer. At 9 a.m., a sprinkler maintenance company, which, like, tell me you're rich without telling me you're rich. Jesus. Yeah, right. A sprinkler maintenance company who was scheduled to do service at the home that day arrives, knocks on the door, and when no one answers, moves on to the next appointment of the day. Amy, from her cell phone, calls the company at 9.09 a.m. to cancel the appointment, claiming that her son is sick, right? So they hear this knock on the door. No one answers. But within 10 minutes, Amy's calling. They go, oh, gosh, so sorry. My son is sick. Mm -hmm. oh, can this get So this is where it gets just like wild. At 9.30, Vera's husband, Bernardo, shows up at the house because he is just like so worried about her, right? He can't mm -hmm. reach her on her cell phone. All he knows is that Nellie told him she was spending the night there. But again, he knows. He's like, she would never do that. She can't communicate well enough with the family. Like, she's not the one that takes care of the kids. It's usually Nellie. Like, she would never do that, right? So right. he can't get a hold of her on her cell phone. So he goes up and he knocks on the front door. And he says, oh, so chilling. He says he gets this really strange feeling that someone is standing on the other side of the door but not answering it. And he mm. thought he heard the sound of a chair scraping against the floor. Oof, I'm getting like, I know, goosebumps. So as Bernardo is trying to peer in the front window, his phone rings and it's Sava. Sava apologizes profusely for not calling Bernardo directly to let him know that Vera was spending the night. And he told him that Amy was ill and that Vera went to the hospital to be with her. Oh. So at this point, Bernardo's like, all right. Okay. Like, Wouldn't I you guess, be like, well, what hospital? And you would go like. I would. Yeah. Right. Like, and like, there's a language barrier. There's yeah. right, like, and I think too, it's worth, like, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I think it's like, I think it's easy. And I'm not saying you're doing this, but I think it's easy to say like, oh my God, why did Nellie and Bernardo, like they were the ones that would have known right they would have had the most information right. about like how weird all of this was but like remember like vera was an employee of the of the savopolis family right so i could yeah. see where like in her eye especially bernardo was like well i can't be like making waves with my with my wife's boss you know what i mean yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Right. But then I don't think then I don't think you get to say, well, you were so worried that you drove over in a panic and were like pounding yeah. the door down. You know, I yeah, also think too true. Yeah. Like I also think too, like <laughs> there's something very different from like being in the moment and then after the fact. Right? Like if yeah. if he's saying to the cops, I was so worried that I had to drive over immediately. Versus being like, God, you know what? It's strange I didn't hear from my wife. Let me just like do a little drive-by in the yeah, moment. Yeah, I, I hear you. I just I again I hold I hold so much like grace and space in my heart for all of these poor people. Oh that, for like, sure. I I see a situation in which if I were Bernardo, I was trying to communicate with my spouse's employer in a language that was not native to me. Yes. Right? That I yeah. would not want to make waves right yeah 
Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it is, it's sad because he, because like his spidey sense is right. 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 Like, right. Yeah. So at 9.40 a.m., Ted and Jordan go to the bank to pick up the $40,000, right? Mm -hmm. Jordan puts the money in a red backpack and in an incredibly tough look for our guy Jordan, he takes (laughs) a photo of the bag full of money and sends it to his girlfriend. Because what else do you do when you have a backpack full of $40,000? I mean, like, and what, I cringe because, like, that's something I would have done as well. Oh, 100%. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I should have done money, po- baby. Exactly. Like, I don't think I should have done the podcast before, but I, I started my little career as an executive assistant to, like, a pretty wealthy guy. And, like, I would have done something like this. 100%. <laughs> I mean, I for sure, like, texted Tom photos of me, like, driving in this guy's car. Sometimes I had to drive his car for work, right? Like, and it was, like, a very nice, fancy car. Yeah, oh, I mean, a hundred percent. Like in hindsight, it was probably like a CRV, like a Honda, and I was like, Ooh, "Right, <laughs> I know." <laughs> Still not a great look, but I get it. Not a great look for our guy Jordan, and like, and I feel like I'm kind of jumping the gun here, but I just like, I feel I have so much sympathy for Jordan because, in the end, we'll probably have to talk about this next episode, but he becomes a prime suspect in this case. No, <laughs> oh, no, I know because of this, right? Because yeah. the police are like, girl, you had the mu- – like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm sorry. 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 Literally, could you imagine? And no. I'm just be like, sorry. Sure, I'm just like fucking dumb. Like, I'm just yeah. so dumb. And what do you say to that, you know? I know. So, Jordan, girl, call us. Jordan. Call us. Tough look, my guy. Um. So, at 9.56 a.m., Amy texts Nellie telling her not to come to the house that day. Right. Mm. And Nellie texts her back and is like, okay, why? Like what's going on? And she never receives a response. Cause remember mm. like Sava told Bernardo, Vera's husband, that Amy's in the hospital. So right. Nellie is like, what the, like, are you okay? What is going on? Something happened to Philip? Like what's happening? And she never right. gets a response. Mm. Um, at 10, 15 AM, Jordan calls Sava to say he's almost at the house with the money. Sava says he'll be on a conference call when he arrives and to not, not to knock on the door he instructs jordan to put the money in the garage on the driver's side of the red sports car that's parked in there so jordan arrives he finds the garage door open and he places the money as instructed in the car and he texts sava around 10 25 a.m to say quote package delivered end quote oh my god um no response ever came to this text message this was the last communication anyone would have with the family. Within mm-hmm. three hours, the house was up in flames. Oh, so that's our timeline. I'm going to pause there again. Any thoughts you want to share at this point on the timeline? Um, I mean, it's it's hard to because I know how this story ends. Yeah, and you don't um, want to like so, jump ahead. Well, yeah. and I'm looking at it through that lens. Um, yeah. I mean, it's very easy to say right now all of this is suspicious. Like, Jordan, if your boss is like, put the money in the in red the sports car. car. Like, this sounds very like Professor Plum with the candlestick yes. in the yes. library, right? Like, yes. And I don't know if that's because I know how this ends or if like – you know what I mean? I yes. feel like I'm looking at it through like kind of, you know, in hindsight. Um, yeah. The for- the money still to me 
Like I, I still, I still go back to that. Cause it's like, there should be something more in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like some kind and of fail safe at a company. Some kind of fail safe. Like you shouldn't be able to call up like your coworker and be like, I need to take $40,000. Like, and our CFO has to get involved. Like I don't, that, that to me is like, just, it's like sticking in my brain. That's yeah. like this, that shouldn't have been able to happen. And again, knowing how this ends, like, do, do you like, you know, this guy's wealthy. Like he couldn't have pulled money like from his own accounts. So like, was he calling mm. to get it from the company as like a, like, Oh, interesting. You know what I'm saying? As like a, think this is weird. <laughs> oh my Help gosh. Me. I never thought about that. Do you know what I'm saying? About why could he not get, Oh gosh. Well, okay. Right. But, but here, here's why, because I think it's clear they didn't want Sava leaving the house. So he had to have someone bring the money to him, which means it had to have come from a business account, right? I mean, does it though? Like he could, he still, he could have called the bank. This guy's wealthy. Like he's, yeah, you know, yeah. his bankers know who he is. He could have called his personal bank, been like, hey, I'm taking 40 grand out of this account. My personal assistant who you've yes. probably seen depositing money for me or like handling. Yeah, right? that's a good like, point. He will he's, be there to pick it up. He's going to show up with his red backpack. <laughs> With his red backpack, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. To me, it's it, the 40 grand part of it is like really the sticking point for me. I mean, maybe, I mean, and, and this is, so this is what I think is so interesting, right? And and again, this is like jumping ahead a little, but I think you're really hitting a point on the head that has like really stuck with me is that, you know, so eventually there is a person who is charged with this crime, right? We're going to get to him. Right. Um, and one of the def- one of his defense team's biggest like strategies is that like he our guy's not that smart right like they kept they were like no way was he this sophisticated that he could have pulled off right all of this and and getting the money and keeping the family compliant and calling the security company to see about the cameras like he wasn't that smart and here's what I what I think is just like such a sticking point he didn't need to be that smart because he had Sava. And Sava was that smart, right? And and, in like a horrible twist of fate, Sava was the brains of this operation because he was desperate to save his family. A hundred percent. Yeah, I think, and I think that's obvious in these, in like the things that have happened, right? Like, I think that is very clear. He's the one who's saying, well, let me just double check. Like, this guy is in touch with a lot of people for someone who we know what happens to. And, and like what and was happening during this time. And he's calm and he's not raising the alarm, right? Like, like if that were me and the, and someone was like, okay, call your, call whoever to get 40, I'd be like, help. <laughs> like, right. Right. <laughs> right. So, and yeah. that's what I think is just like so heartbreaking is that like, I keep thinking of like, you know, it, it like, whatever, maybe this guy comes in and is like, oh God, you know, I see you security cameras. And so I was like, hold on, hold on. It's okay. I'm going to, I'm going right. to call a security company. We're going to figure it out. Or, oh, there's some dude knocking on the door. And so I was like, calm down. Right. It's okay. I'm going to call him and I'm going to tell him Amy's sick. Right. Like the, the, the criminal here didn't have to be smart because he had Saba. Right. And, the, and that's the other thing too. And maybe that's where like, I go back to with this Bernardo guy, like, yeah. So Sava's like, oh, Amy is sick, and so she's in the hospital. Well, yeah. then, like, wouldn't like wouldn't your first thought be like, 
oh my gosh, like what hospital, like what can I bring them? Like what happened? And then, Mm -hmm. then he's like, oh, you know, general hospital, whatever. Yeah. Right. And then Bernardo goes there, sees they're not there. Then it's like, oh, something's going, like, I'm just wondering if yeah, this was his attempt to like call for help in a very that's so interesting subtle like way. he was trying to act out of character and like involve out other people right yeah maybe it's the involving other people part interesting well and two i think kind of to your point i didn't have this in my notes because like i'm trying not to make this like a 17 part thing but <laughs> one thing i think is interesting is like so you know sava tells bernardo that Amy is sick and in the hospital. But remember the night before, Sava told Nellie, Philip is sick, right? Remember? And that that was the reason why Vera had to spend the night. And so when Bernardo communicates this to Nellie and says like, oh, well, Amy's in the hospital, Nellie actually initially thinks that it's Philip who's been hospitalized, right? Mm. And that sends off that like panic in her. And that's why she's texting Amy being like, oh my God, like, what do you need? Right. You, you know? And- I wonder if those kinds of little inconsistencies were done on purpose too. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Because how do you mix that? Like, right? Like no rational person is like, oh, my kid's in the hospital. Oh, no, wait, sorry. I'm mistaken. It's my wife. Right? Like, right. like if someone told me that story, I'd be like, well, wait, what? Wait a minute. Like, yeah. What? It's the huh? stories that he's telling that like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I still, I go back to that call with his coworker. That's like yes. an equipment auction. Like, no one said, oh, well, this wasn't on the calendar or like, oh, really? Like, cause we just bought equipment. Right. You know what I mean? Like there was nothing. It was just, there was just like, okay, like here, take 40 grand out of like our company account. Like, right. I don't know. To me, you work in, I mean, you, you work in fundraising. Like, yeah. If I mean, that kind of request came across my <laughs> desk. Right? Yeah. I mean, I don't work in a world in which you can even right. ask for $10 without. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. Anyway, see, I'm getting like fired up. So let's, let's, let me try to wrap up our episode for today. And to do that, I want to take us through the evidence that was discovered that day. Right. You know, I love evidence, girl. Give it to me. Girl, this is, there's no circumstantial shit about this. We got cold heart evidence against this dirt bag and girl, they're going to nail it. And I'm going to be mad at it. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, obviously you know, when they realize this is a crime scene, this is, like I said, this is literally down the street from the vice president's house, like police descend immediately. Okay. Immediately. Yeah. And they discover all kinds of evidence literally within like hours. Um, well, and let's be honest. I mean, it's a very wealthy neighborhood. Like it is wealthy. This was not going to go undiscovered. Yeah. I mean this. Yeah. Yeah. So here, so here's kind of a list of the evidence that we, that they found that day. Um, the phone lines connecting to the house clearly had been cut. Right. Like mm-hmm. with a knife, which explains why when the doggy daycare tried to call at 3 p.m., they couldn't get through. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is so chill. This part is so chilling. There's evidence of a struggle in the foyer. Um, this is actually one of the crime scene photos I stumbled upon by accident. And I just mm-hmm. it is going to be seared in my mind forever because it is so unsettling. So in the foyer of the home, a Starbucks cup was sitting on the side table. Remember, Amy had been to Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Amy's purse was dumped on the ground. Um, laying next to it was Philip's backpack also strewn all over the ground and closer to the door was a red briefcase belonging to Sava. So it was clear. Go ahead. Yeah. 
No, I was just going to say, and like a quick note. So like we were saying that the doggy daycare called around 3, around 3. p.m. that yep. day, right? Yep. They couldn't get through. Right. Because we're saying the phone lines were cut, were cut around 3 p.m. 3 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Amy's not spotted until 3.20. So let me let me tell you why. So – and this jumps ahead a little. But the initial theory and, and really what we believe to be true to this day – is that the attack begins while Amy is walking to Starbucks. So the phone lines are cut. The person enters the home and ambushes Vera and Philip, who remember was not supposed to be home. He was not supposed to be there that day. Right. So the attacker takes control of Vera and Philip. Amy walks home and walks into the scene and is ambushed in the foyer. And then remember two hours later, she calls Sava to come home and again, he is ambushed in the in the oh, foyer when he gets home. Yeah, that just oh, it's just chilling. Full like body chills. Yeah, that's. Yep. Yep. I mean, yeah, and that was the like that was why I went back to like that earlier timeline that like. Yep. Oh okay. yeah, and that's like the, this photo, and I mean, maybe no, don't Google it. No, don't do it. It'll ruin no, I but, listen. My mental health is hanging on by a thread. I yeah, don't need it. I mean, it is <laughs> like you look at the foyer and it's just clear. You can, you can almost like clearly see it. Like each person oh. individually is being ambushed. Right. Yeah. Oh, <sighs> okay. Sorry. Don't, don't love this. Continue. Um, a letter opener was also found near the front door. And we're not sure like if this, if the attacker used this or if someone was trying, like I could see a world in which like, Sava pull, tried to pull a letter opener from his briefcase, right, to, like, fend this person off. Like, we're not really sure, but it was found near the front door. Mm-hmm. Um, the hard drive that stored the security footage was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy and Sava's cell phones, iPhones, were both missing. A bloody baseball bat was found in the room where the adults were, as well as a bloody footprint and pizza boxes that had been ordered the night before, including, very importantly, a half-eaten piece of pizza. Please tell me we're going to get some DNA evidence in this case. Girl, we're going to fucking nail this guy. I Okay. <laughs> um, so the $40,000 that our girl Jordan left um, was gone, right? The person had taken that. Right. And this was, but interestingly, this is kind of to your point earlier, they did find a file cabinet in the house with a handgun and $13,000 of cash still in it, right? And so initially it's like, well, wait a minute. Why didn't Sava just give this money to the guy? Mm-hmm. But the theory is, is that Sava didn't want the killer to know that he had a gun, right? By leading him to this $13,000, it would have been like, oh, and by the way, here's the handgun. Mm. Which is interesting, right? Because, and again, this is just kind of like Detective Emily speculating, but none of the victims had gunshot wounds, right? So it's clear that this attacker, I mean, he he killed them by other means without a gun. And I wonder if Sava didn't want to like arm this guy, right? Like, that Sava knew this guy didn't have a gun. And he was like, well, shit, I'm not going to lead him to a gun. Sure. I guess my question, the first thing I thought of, though, when you said that is like, why didn't Sava use the gun? He knew he had it in the house. Why didn't he? I mean, to well, the devil's advocate, he, if he didn't want to arm the yeah. intruder, why not arm himself? Well, maybe like, he didn't. Isn't that the whole reason you keep a gun in your house? Maybe he didn't think that he would have. You know what I mean? That like, okay, I lead him to this yeah. file cabinet and be like, oh, hey, man, there's 13,000 bucks in there. You know what? We, we don't know. Maybe, I don't maybe know. the guy wouldn't have let Sava be the one to open the file cabinet. And then this guy would have found the gun. Or maybe it was, hey, Sava, go get the money. I've got a knife to your wife's throat. I mean, we just don't know. 
Yeah. yeah. Okay. Do not come for Sava. I swear to God. I'm not. Oh, I'm absolutely not. I'm just saying, again, like hindsight's 2020. Yeah. You, I don't know. You knew you had a gun in the house and like, I don't know. Okay. Wow. Okay. Continue. Um, so the doggy, Sorry. wow. Hot take. Uh, <laughs> the doggy door leading from the basement to the kitchen was taped shut and the family's two oh. dogs were found safe outside. Yay. Um, yeah, but like how long were they out there? That's a true crime in and of itself. Okay. Oh, well, I mean the house, their house burnt down. So <laughs> probably good thing they weren't in there. Okay. Asshole. Jesus Christ. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Thank God. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm going to cut that out, you psycho. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. So, um, notably, the blue Porsche owned by Amy was also missing. Um, of course. Yeah, so our guy made off with 40K, a blue Porsche. Because that's not obvious. That's not <laughs> like, it's not like he took, like, Vera's Toyota Camry, like, 1997 <laughs> Toyota Camry. No, no, no. Oh. Guys, he took the 2015 blue Porsche. I mean, obviously. wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> by 5.30 p.m. that night, so the oh. Thursday night, the Porsche was found set on fire in a church Jesus. parking lot in Maryland. I know. This guy's so fucking dumb. I, oh, I cannot wait to get into him. So inside the Porsche was a green construction vest that clearly did not belong to the family. Um, on the vest was a hair that was sent for testing like pretty immediately. Um, so at this point they send out like a thing that's like, Hey, did anyone see a jackass driving in a blue Porsche today? And like immediately <laughs> people were like, yes, yes, I did. And one witness claimed. Because it's not a 1997 <laughs> Toyota Camry. Because it's not Vera's car. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Vera. I'm not trying to assign anything to you. I, that was, a sh- that was a shitty comment. I mean. But you know what I'm saying. I like, know hundred percent what you're saying. <laughs> okay so sorry that sounded really no i i think you're right it is i mean and at the end of the day the blue porsche is basically what leads to this guy getting caught right like yeah so sorry (laughs) so one witness yeah dude one witness reports seeing the blue porsche driving erratically around dc at 1 30 p.m driven by a black man wearing a green construction vest right Uh, it it gets worse surveillance footage from the church parking lot also catches this fucking jack wagon (laughs) on camera walking away from a car after setting it on fire i hate him i hate him again this guy is so conspicuous i hate him so much don't be suspicious don't be suspicious (laughs) so this guy's suspicious as fuck this guy sucks okay so who so who could have done this right we gather all this evidence who could have done this the killer left behind one key piece of evidence, his DNA on a half-eaten pizza crust. And when this DNA is run through CODIS, there was an immediate hit. Darren went. And I that's mean, where we're going to end for today. Oh. Oh, you like that? Like a little cliffhanger? How many days is one week from now? So, okay, guys. So next week, we're going to take basically we're going to pick up here we're going to talk about this dirtbag darren went we're gonna run you through what he claims happens which is a story you won't even believe and um and then yeah we will we will take it from there so um do you do you i know we're only halfway through do you want to take a side at this point um my side is 
like obviously this is a terrible thing that happened it's so horrible it's so horrible and like i didn't Um, even get into like their autopsies and stuff i just couldn't like it's too much for me i don't want to like but yeah i mean they had a horrible horrible thing happening to them yeah i mean this guy whoever you know the guy who did this darren Wynn. i don't care fucking darren Wynn did this i'm sorry (laughs) w-i-n-t um yeah this guy this guy this guy has uh has some issues yeah so okay i think we'll wrap it there okay for this week i'm very excited for next week yeah girl yes okay did it we we were just talking off off air did it make (laughs) like this all made sense it the made timeline total made sense. sense to me. Yeah, no, okay. I think going through the timeline first was a perfect way to like get into this. Yeah, and um, like I mean, obviously most of us know what happened here, but like I, I'm sorry, but like I can't talk about Darren Went before I like acknowledge the victims here. If you know what I mean, like I don't. Oh, for sure. Talk about Darren Went and what a dirtbag that got Sarah. This guy sucks. I can't. <gasps> yeah, I'm ready. I will do a little teaser for next week, though. Okay. You and I have, like, a sibling podcast, huh? Darren Wint has, like, a little sibling crime syndicate going on here. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I mean, this guy's an idiot, so... This guy sucks hard. Great. Um, so... Yeah, so next week obviously we're gonna do part two of this guys um i hope yeah i hope you guys like this one i know it's like really dark and like not funny at all and there's no way we could even make this funny or humorous but um i hope you guys are enjoying the story and um if you want to write in and tell us that you too hate darren went um you can reach us at sisters.take.a.side at gmail.com or follow us along on Instagram for pictures of me drinking iced coffee um, at <laughs> sisters take aside underscore podcast. Um, Sarah, what is our listener question for this week? You got one? Um, our listener question for this week actually came in on Instagram. Heck yeah. Let me just pull that little bad just boy up. Pull up the grams. I'm like so sad from doing this case. I don't like. I'm sorry. It sucks. It does suck. Um, <sighs> okay. So our listener question for this week is: Now that we're into the summer, what mm-hmm. is your favorite way to cool down? Ooh. Um. Uh, sitting in the AC. <laughs> What's it? Um, okay. I don't. I don't do pools. You know this about me. I don't do pools. I do. Um, yeah, sitting in the AC and okay. Do you have any like special iced beverages you love? Like any cold food? I mean, I was loving the canned rose last night. At the, <laughs> you were at the live show. Um, I'm a sparkling water kind of girl for sure. Mm-hmm. Also, love me an iced coffee. So yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. What about you? I was going to say, I cannot drink. So I'm one of those people that could drink iced coffee year round. Um, Like give me a 32 degree day and an iced coffee and I'm perfectly fine. But I absolutely cannot drink hot coffee 
in the summer. I just can't. I cannot no. do it. Mm-mm. So makes my neck um, sweat. Definitely. Right. Definitely iced coffees. I happen to love the pool. I actually look at kind of like the heat, you guys. Um, I do not yeah, love because the you like to you like to sit outside like a little lizard sunning yourself. I do. I really do. I'm like my best self in the summer. Um, I don't love humidity, which we get a lot of here in the Northern Virginia area. Um, Indeed. But yeah, so I, I don't actually mind it too much. Um, AC obviously is great, but you know what? Here's a little Sarah fun fact for you. I hate driving with AC on. I hate it. (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) I refuse to drive with the AC on. Sarah's um, convinced her car doesn't work with the AC on, which is it's not that just, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work as well. Get a new fucking car. Wouldn't like? <laughs> would you like a blue Porsche? I mean, no thanks. I think thanks, I put me no off thanks. Of blue Porsches for a while. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, okay, friends. Well, right. this was well, a downer, but thanks for st- sticking with us. Go have um, like a cookie. Feel better. Okay, I'll try. I know. I'm sorry. All right, we love you guys. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. We love you. Um, And I don't know about you, but I am on the edge of my seat for next week. That's right. Stay tuned. Catch you next week, guys. All right, guys. Bye.